1: Next up, I want to tell you about our friends at Gaines Wave. I have to touch on a subject that gets kind of negative press, which is erectile dysfunction. It's just a basic biology. But some of the companies, the way they offer ED solutions, they talk about it in such a way that people are left ashamed or embarrassed. The fact is as many as 30 million, a man, 30 million males are affected by some form of erectile dysfunction. 60% at 60, 50% at 50, 40% at 40, the way we think about it. It's biological. It's beyond their control. It's not not psychological. And What's more devastating is that every case of erectile dysfunction really affects two people, the man and the partner, and that can affect the relationships. So it can be quite damaging. And We all know about the pharmaceutical agents that are out there. They've been helping men for over 20 years. But sometimes these treatments are inadequate or give temporary solutions or maybe people don't want to take the medication or the side effects. That is where Gaines Wave may be a great option. Gainswave is a breakthrough shockwave-based treatment that addresses what may be at the root cause of erectile dysfunction, namely a buildup of arterial microplaque in the arteries to the penis. This buildup can impede the flow necessary for proper functioning. Gainswave treatment uses sound waves to break up the microplaque and improve or restore blood flow entirely. It's a non-invasive, drug-free option that is truly promising. Procedure takes about 20 minutes. It's comfortable. Most men are able to enjoy benefits the same day. Best part is GainsWave Users and clinicians report 75% success rate, which is truly impressive. If you think you or your partner could benefit from this treatment, I urge you to look into it. There are over 400 Gainsway providers in North America. To learn more, go to drdrew.com slash wave. It's that simple. It's my website. Go now, drdrew.com slash W-A-V-E. Now back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Life Podcast with me, Dr. Drew. And this Life Hashtag You live, live is a live broadcast today. Mike Carano in studio with us. Mike, welcome. That could be nerve-wracking. It could be if we wanted it to be, but we're not going to let it, right? Well, it's up to the universe. <laughs> you have a, yeah, well, it's up to you. Today's episode, courtesy of Gainswave Wave and Social CBD, we thanks go out to those guys. We appreciate their support and you guys supporting those products. Go to drdrew.com for all the details. Call number today to be part of the show. we got a bunch of calls lined up, so I'm going to try to get there, buddy. It is 3999 again, 636 334 And um, at the end of the show, we're going to have a special preview of a new show that is coming. In other words, at one o'clock, we're going to switch to this new show. Stick around for that. We'll give you all the links at drdrew.com. And also, is it drdrew.tv? Go to drdrew.tv for the details and sign up there. Uh, is this the new
2: show, Alcohol and Drug Reviews? No, if you in like it. To be. It's whatever,
1: whatever you like it to be, Mike. So, uh, no, it's going to be a live call in show, sort of like Loveline esque. Okay. Just so I'll just answer questions. And that's kind of what's happening today, and you're gonna help me out with that.
2: I hope so. Okay. So how you been? I've been pretty good. Yeah. How have you been?
1: Uh, busy. I was a crazy eagle. I saw, I, I saw that. I saw
2: that. People were very surprised. I got texts from people going, you knew about this, right? And I was like, nope. <laughs>
1: Nobody knew about it. Susan knew about it. And that was about it. Yeah. I
2: how did you cost get the costume and stuff? Like how, where did you go to try that on? It's in Glendale. There's a, there's a costume. Secret factory. location. Secret
1: location. Now,
2: how does your voice come through that mask? There's a mesh here and it's a very sensitive microphone. Okay.
1: And weirdly, what I don't understand is why the mic wasn't hitting the I hit the mesh all the time,
2: and yeah. Mike did not pick that up. Oh, well, they may may have fixed that in editing. Maybe, maybe. But the, uh, was it difficult? The whole operation. Was it less nerve-wracking doing it with a costume on? It was different nerve-wracking. Yeah. Did you they, get to pick your costume?
1: No. Well, sort of. They, they bring you in there and they ask... They say, well, give some... Us- we got
2: a slug costume. No, no, we no, got no, a no, eagle no, no, costume. No. They
1: do, but they go... But they first go, give some thought. Come on with some ideas. And I came in and I was thinking bald eagle because I wanted to keep the song sort of in American anthems and Frank Sinatra okay. and stuff. And I thought, I'm eh, bald eagle. And, and before I said anything, they said, we're thinking you should be the eagle. Isn't that weird? And I said, Fine. But so I learned all these songs. I, le- I had a vocal problem. I had to get retrained. I had a, a varicity in my vocal cords and a hemorrhage in my cords. All my mid range was just gone. So I was dealing with all this medical stuff. And then I put the costume on after I learned about 15 songs. And I was like, oh, God damn it. This is a rock and roll character. I have to start over. We have to do rock songs.
2: Is it possible you were overthinking it?
1: No, no. It was clear. In fact, the costume people like were like, this is Jimi Hendrix. Do you understand? Okay. Okay. And then the producers are like, do you understand the character is an important part of this? I thought, I got it. I, we, got, we got to start over. <laughs> yeah. And so so to your point about different nerve wracking, you have a cloak of invi- invisibility yeah. on, right? Yeah. So that's fun. And the character kind of pushes you. It kind of drives okay. the whole thing. And that was
2: intense. Where were your like, because arms? Because I
1: don't do that. It's nothing I'm familiar with, or knew what I was doing, or was comfortable with. It was just intense.
2: Was what? Where were your arms? I, I had eagle. I had my wings were under my arms. But was it flexible and stuff? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. It okay. kind of had a weird hinge on it, so I could do this. And I, if you notice when I flap my ears, I kind of I kind
2: of do this. So do you want to keep that costume?
1: No, but one of the producers sat me down. Well, yes. One of the producers sat me down before my performance and goes, I spent so goddamn much money in this costume, you better stick around for a while. <laughs> I was like, Oh, no, no, no pressure.
2: Because it would be cool to go trigger treating in that costume and see how many people recognized it. It would be cool. The costumes I think go on tour on their on on their own, like around the world. Wow. And they're expensive. We are desperate for entertainment.
1: Well, as when I when Corolla first saw me, he just goes, Okay. That's not a American format, right? Some Asian country developed it. They look it up. South Korea. It's
2: South oh, Korean really? Film. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. Funny?
1: So, what's up with you? You want to talk about uh, the film or anything? No. No. I'm to get right into questions. Well, first, let's. We got our friend Cat Tim on the line. All right. Let's get Cat up. Cat, of course, you know her on Fox News, and also uh, Tyrus and Timf the podcast, and also sincerely Cat. Cat, are you there? Uh oh. Yeah. You have to call her? Oh, no, we're fine. Let me just call her. Oh, my God, you guys are too much. Why don't I take a call? Because, Mike, really like you to talk about Oh, so I went to the White House. I saw. Day. Yeah, that yeah. was weird. So I, um, I've i been pretty upset about the homeless thing, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I know understatement of the year. Yeah, I know what can be done about it, and it makes me crazy that it's not getting done. So somebody set me up at the White House to go talk to the Domestic Policy Committee, which was like crazy intense, like sitting right next to the overall office talking to the people that are directly under the president. It's a weird experience. And uh, they are listening. They are really smart people and yeah. they are listening. So I think something will happen. I think it is. But it's going to take a little time because not only... What do you want them to do? I want them to change the Lantern and Petrus Act and expand Gravy Disabled. I want them to do a
2: FEMA-style emergency it's an emergency okay. fema okay. style
1: triage
2: specifically for uh, certain cities or for everywhere oh it's all all over southern california for sure.
1: i i'm worried about los angeles and, and generally but in seattle oregon i mean this should be just done and they should just go city by city and then the problem is once they're triaged then what and so this is the part i'm kind of working on now you got there needs to be psychiatric beds and residential
2: facilities triage they, means they drive up in a white van triage means you come with us van.
1: meet with this doctor Let's get a diagnosis and figure out what you need. Okay. That's triage. It's it's, okay. it's assessment and referral. And
2: uh, now we discussed this before, but that's probably going to be done with force.
1: Yeah. Like an emergency. Like if you, like, this is an emergency, you got to do this, and that's the way it goes. And be, the, you got to understand people who are on the streets, the LA Times finally published an article last week that said, oh, we were wrong. 85% of the people on the streets have mental illness or addiction.
2: Okay. What yeah. they say before?
1: 29%. Okay. Uh, and by the way, 85% conservative. That's conservative. Right? It's more like 90%, 90, 95%. And people that have addiction, think about when you were using. Think about your insight into what was happening. Oh, yeah.
2: No, it's it's all jumbled. Okay, it's all so chaos. That's what that. There right. is no logic. There's
1: no insight. There's no logic. And I know this, I
2: should be doing this, but this sounds better. Right. And, and so at yeah.
1: a certain point, if you can't move along or you can't live, find a place to live, you can't handle your medical problems, we have to step in. That's okay. every other country on earth does that by the way every other country on earth okay. does that we've decided we don't take care of our sick people so you have a condition when you're like that called anisognosia it's the same thing you get from a stroke where if you have a left sided stroke you can literally show the person their hand it'll flop and they'll go I, I don't know what you're talking about I don't- they- it blocks insight mental illness does the same thing blocks insight Absolutely. so think now how you feel about that Now we've that all
2: at- done this even with just drinking like but, but, uh, midnight. Hey, who wants to drive to Vegas right now? <laughs> Everybody.
1: Well, that's just poor judgment. No, but that's I'm saying it's, you're clouded.
2: Yeah, You're but
1: clouded. literally blocks your ability to see what's going on. I, you know, you could say I'm I'm Jesus and I'm seeing angels and I'm hearing God talk to me and uh, I'm could be mutilating myself and you go, hey, hey, do you see what? Yeah, what? I'm talking to Jesus. Relax. They don't see it. It's a block, and that has to be dealt with. That every other every civilized nation on earth does that. We don't. and it's my Part of it is because of the Lantam and petrus Act. That needs to be expanded. We need to expand conservatorship. We need to focus on mental health. It is the, the great argument I have with people on the homeless side. I had an argument with the mayor of Pasadena. He yeah. goes, we have 800 homeless people here, and what they need is a place to stay and wraparound services. I said, mayor, you're focusing on the place to stay. What about the wraparound services? Well, they just need a place to stay. I said, no. And wraparound services. Do you know you know where you provide wraparound services? You know where that whole f- concept came from? Psychiatric hospitals. Okay. So needing wraparound services defines you as a mental health patient. Defines it. If you have your appendix out, you're not getting wraparound services. Wraparound services means psychologist, chemical dependency counselor, social worker, vocational yeah. rehab, physician, psychiatrist. That's
2: wraparound services. That's brain is disorder. the cost of this just going to be insignificant they,
1: compared to other stuff we spend money on yes okay they have the money for it no problem so cat do we have cat yet Is cat there cat tamp are you there cat i hear you hey i hear you hey, meowing so so here's you the hear me you. i hear you you're loud and clear here's the craziness. so cat calls me on uh, wednesday night she goes wait a minute wait a minute I just got a text. You, you were dancing around in an eagle costume? <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, don't... yeah. She, and she goes, no, no. Wait a minute. Tell me. Were you dancing in an eagle costume? I said, yes.
3: Yeah, you were. Well, I thought it made sense that it was an eagle because you are America's doctor.
1: Uh, so funny. How are you? Look at you. You're on video behind well, us. It's fantastic.
2: How did uh, the well, you eagle know, I become America's that- bird? Oh, hang on to that. I don't know, but I also
3: thought it was not fair that you didn't get through, not just be like, not the singing and the dancing, but the pants, <laughs> the fact that you time-traveled all the way back to 1975 to get those bell-bottoms. Is, yeah, I know. Is, time travel's not getting you through.
1: Yeah, time travel isn't getting enough credit. And he hates <laughs> the 70s. Yeah. And I hate the 70s, that's right. Which, My- Ugh. I wish I'd sung the door, or something like that. That would have been really more interesting. You could have, yeah. That's yeah. technically sixties, though. But yeah.
3: Did you get to pick your song?
1: Kind of. I actually that song I'd never heard before and did not pick it. The the the, the, the process of so nice. Yeah, the process, and, and I've never sung anything rock before, so I had to retrain everything on that. But the the song selection thing was weird. It was a sort of mystical process. It was not straightforward.
3: I like. So when you were doing this. Was that your move, or was that a move? Was that a move that they gave you?
1: They have a choreographer that gives all the moves. I love
3: because you look like you're like a caveman.
1: Here's funny, look, here's a funny here's when you, like you did this. Yeah, no, it was all all directed, but Ken, because if
3: you look like a caveman at the top of a mountain, like surveying a new bountiful land.
1: Yeah, uh, I watched
3: no. it three times.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: I watched it three times.
1: Thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. Um, Oh, what was I going to say? It's something actually. Oh, uh, choreography. Oh, the way that people guess who's in the costumes is positively bizarre. I mean, for instance, Jenny McCarthy thought it was Adam Carolla or or Howard Stern.
2: What were the hints? To, uh,
1: radio okay. and listening okay. and that kind of stuff. But but two people that will never do that show is are those two guys? Yeah, ever yeah. ever ever. Yeah. But then my I dancer, can imagine Howard
3: Stern doing but, that. But
1: check this out. This was this cracked me up completely. My dancers. I was sort of one of the favorites of the support staff. Okay. And my dancers thought I was Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. I
2: swear, I swear to God. <laughs> they have such high expectations. <laughs>
1: so isn't that funny? And I have not spoken to anybody <laughs> Sir, I, the, what?
3: I know that you're an addiction specialist. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you. As I was watching it, I had an idea, maybe uh-huh. for for people if you okay. ever have someone come to you and they're just like super addicted to like peyote just have them watch that video because it's probably the same
2: no it that's will, how it, it
3: felt it was super no, psychedelic it,
2: it was peyote, uh, peyote making your comeback no it's in cat's mind i
3: think maybe i just did a ton of peyote i'm not even sure what peyote is to be honest with you, so um, you did car, so but somebody did i've college always that. thought no, I. What is it? I actually
1: it's don't a, know. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of a cactus derivative. It's got some hallucinogen in it. But but here's the deal. But it's like
3: a right? If you were
1: on yeah, and if you were on peyote and then saw that footage, it would blow your mind so severely you'd never do peyote again. <laughs> that's that's the point.
3: So so that's how you get people off peyote.
1: I get you. I get you, cat. So tell me a little bit what's coming up <laughs> on uh, on sincerely cat and uh, Tyrus and Timf. <laughs>
3: Well um the new episode that's out right now of Sincerely Cat we have um Sam Roberts from Jim and Sam mm-hmm. and he's an old buddy of mine and it's a really great episode and we have a funny sketch too uh where I help people read between the lines and see what you know the thing that someone's saying to them like what the other person really means.
1: Oh my god I love it. Next that.
3: week we have Gianno Caldwell my colleague at Fox News is hey, um, rocking and rolling
1: what's up with the what, Shepherds what? what do you know about the Shepherds I no I, I, I know
3: exactly what as everyone else does
1: I, I look nothing. at what's being printed about it and I know him because I remember when I left HLn they got that story completely wrong so I know whatever yeah. I'm reading it's completely wrong It has nothing to do with whatever happened
3: All right I know when I got fired from Ruby Tuesday same thing <laughs>
1: What was your job? Were you, a, were you a hostess or were you a waitress?
3: I was a waitress.
1: Is there any job you she and I was, was not
3: a, a good? I wasn't a good one.
1: She was a newscaster here in Los Angeles in the helicopter during traffic. Okay, and everything I Kat was. has done up to the present moment, she she is fired from because she wasn't a good. I was one.
3: fired from that.
1: Whatever it was, yeah. she wasn't a good one. So we
3: have- wasn't a good oh. one. I I was really good. Like they said, my voice was really good. But I kept giving wrong directions. <laughs> like I would be sending Let people into traffic.
2: You were too ugly for the news. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, that's so, why I have mean
3: these glasses. Nobody looks ugly in these glasses.
2: I'm being very facetious. So uh, I'm just saying producer. nobody looks
3: ugly in these glasses. They're magic glasses.
2: <laughs> so we have a call. Is that for catacol coming up? No, we
3: have. We have an email that you're going to read. Number one.
2: Okay. All right. I didn't know that like really beautiful people could get fired. I thought that was yeah, see, not you, a thing that happened. Kat,
1: you found a new a as new, a
3: very uh, beautiful person.
1: You've got a new. You've got a new fan of my Corano. How about that? <laughs> it's true. So here's a here's a question. All right. The reason I'm writing to you, I'm a reporter at a small CBS affiliate in Twin Falls, Idaho. I hear all the time about the vaping crisis and how vaping needs to stop. I've heard you say repeatedly that vaping is not the issue, and nicotine is not the issue, at least when it comes to adults. I'm writing to ask if there's any way I can get either an official statement from you for a five-minute Skype interview or convenience, blah, blah, blah. Uh, many people here are going back to tobacco products because of the scare on vaping. And to me, that's the worst news of all. Tobacco kills people, not nicotine. <laughs> Period. End. Now, this young lady is an avid vapor. There she is right now. Okay. So what is your thought, Kat, on the whole vaping thing?
3: Well, I've done a lot of research on it. And um, the problem is the bootleg THC vapes, not the Juul, not the nicotine vapes. Uh, I spoke with a um, harm reduction researcher who is a a doctor in pharmacology with a background in neuroscience as well. And she said she would be a single case of an illness or a death was due to nicotine because the substance, the problematic substances, such as the vitamin E acetate that are found in the uh, the liquid are for oil only, which you don't need for um, nicotine to heat it up. So the chemical properties, there would just never be a need for it. Um, And it's just crazy that basically, this is all black market stuff. So prohibition is the problem and government's trying to solve it. They're like, great idea, more prohibition.
2: Yeah. And so, so
3: now I have to traffic. I have to traffic my mango vapes from New Jersey. So, so,
2: so. did you quit smoking and start vaping?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't oh, smoke I at all anymore.
2: So, tobacco. Yeah, I did. Vapor, I would,
3: period.
1: And, and and in every study I've ever read, vaping is the superior product for stopping tobacco use. Okay. And as you know, if somebody gets addicted to nicotine, like gum or patches or anything, we just leave them on the nicotine. It's no problem. Yeah. Yeah. And if you start using tobacco products in your early teen years, it's very unlikely you're ever going to get off nicotine, which is why, by the way, we're worried about people vaping in their teen years. We don't want that. But as adults, if it's yeah, between children,
3: don't do it,
1: right? If it's between cigarettes, tobacco, and vaping, you should be vaping. Now, having said that, it's a little more complicated. Now, what what Kat just said was absolutely accurate, from my opinion. The government has actually done a really good job looking into this. They've done an exhaustive literature research. It's out there. I've got it on my phone somewhere. I forget the exact website that but they've got a really good website. Do you think
2: it was prompted by the tobacco
1: industry? The tobacco industry owns most of the vaping products. Okay. I didn't know that. So and they own most of the and they're getting into the cannabis thing big. Okay. So don't you know, whatever. Don't don't try to think about big gift business here yet because it's or it's ever. all the same people. But they're gonna take over it big tobacco will be big cannabis. Don't you worry about that. I'm sure. But, but here's the deal. In this exhaustive literature re- research, there was only very few conclusions. I mean, it was a really well-done series of, it was sort of a, a meta-analysis of everything that is out there. A, if you're adolescent, you shouldn't be using it. B, if you're asthmatic, you shouldn't be using it. C, there were two observed problems that remained to be resolved. In fact, there was a study just came out today on rats. Did you see that, Kat? The study on rats? No, I've got it on my phone. I'm assuming here. they're
3: not good.
1: They were not good. It was, it seemed, <laughs> it seemed, diseases? it seemed actually,
3: I just too, did my own study. My conclusion, <laughs> not good.
1: Yeah, it seemed actually too not good that I actually don't believe the study. 40 mice exposed to e cigarettes essentially for a year, 22% developed lung cancer. And some bladder lesions. Uh, Twenty mice exposed to e-cigarettes without nicotine didn't get anything. As though the nicotine is the inciting influence in the cancer. I've never, ever, anybody's ever said that. So this this study yeah. is sort of suspect to me.
3: Nicotine's <laughs> also my best friend. So sorry. <laughs>
1: so You,
3: you wouldn't take a bladder stone blood. for your best friend.
1: Yeah. Okay, but but I will tell you, bladder that- stone
3: can't tear apart love
1: the the two but i haven't finished my my c point yet which is there were two observations in the studies that the government reviewed that showed inflammatory lesions in the lung in people using a lot of vape not the nicotine just vape per se of all types and that was concerning for things like emphysema though we don't know that it necessarily leads to that and there were some dna changes in some of the cells of lungs in a, in a petri dish where they were blowing literally blowing vape onto the onto okay. the cells that makes you think oh could this be a problem or not maybe your body would repair it wouldn't quite that uh,
2: contaminate it though if you were blowing vape on it it is all kinds
1: of problems with the kinds of stuff yeah maybe these yeah. people just would had
3: gross breath
1: would you quit
2: vaping if you could
3: would i quit um yeah probably but i probably will quit it you know like i don't think i'm going to do this forever i don't smoke cigarettes anymore which is good i did for a while um, and i was able to stop doing that um, so I'm actually vaping less now than I was before. I used to breathe more jewel than air, and wow. now I'm breathing a lot more air, yeah, like I'm thing, doing it right now.
1: I noticed that vape thing was hanging out of your mouth all the time, but i back when i first when you first yeah. started when you first started stalking me uh
3: yeah well i'm still i'm I'm glad you know that it's continuing so. <laughs>
1: So, we have a caller now. This is uh, John from Florida. I met John on the Corolla Cruise. Okay. Like we were on the Corolla Cruise last weekend. And John is a vape uh, advocate. Uh, John, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, John. I, we've, we never get to talk on the ship, but we'll talk here. So, uh, Wait, how long were you on that ship? Three or four days. You never found time to talk to John? You, you, they had me busy. They, they were running around. And there was a lot of people, right, John, wanting to talk. Were, I get it. I, John. Was,
4: I was looking out for you too the entire time.
1: Thank you, buddy. Uh, so here we are. So you heard what I just said. Do you have anything to add or to to uh, push back on anything we've all said?
4: Um, well, I only heard what you said. I didn't hear what uh, what Kat had said. Okay,
1: it's an interesting point for
4: for our production
1: team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she she was just really talking about her own personal experience and that she had talked to a. Uh, Essentially, a toxicologist, harm
3: reduction specialist, a harm reduction yeah.
1: specialist, toxicologist, who was, saying that, yeah, yeah, that it's not, not, a, bottom line is not a big deal.
4: Yeah, and and I agree as well. I was a two and a half pack a day smoker for uh, for about twenty years, and the only way that I could stay stopped was by switching over to electronic nicotine delivery systems, and I, I don't need a doctor to tell me whether it's good for me or bad for me compared to smoking because I know how I felt back on August third, two thousand thirteen, compared to how I feel now being a vapor.
1: Oh, the the other thing about vaping I've noticed is that people are seem for whatever reason more able to taper down than they can with cigarettes. Have you noticed that as well?
4: Yes. Yeah. And we only um I also own a retail store. And, and that's the, there's, there's two different sides to the industry. There is the open system, which, which I participate in that side of the industry, and the closed systems, which are like the pre-filled pods. And so with the open side of the, the industry, we actually have a step-down program. So somebody can start with you know a, a 36 milligram, go down to a 25, then down to a 12, and slowly but surely get themselves off of nicotine altogether.
1: Can you send this to Cat Temp?
4: Yeah, I need it. I have never spoken with her. Well, I'm
1: I'm just I'm asking
2: for a friend. <laughs> and he's not is that about a big part to start. of this habit. Oh.
1: Well, is it something about the behavior? You yeah, mean? like uh, 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 clearly right? Because why wasn't the gum or the or the lozenges just as effective? Yeah, I think some of it is too the the pharmacology of inhaling it through your lungs on the speed with which it gets to your brain. You know what I mean? Because when you have the entire surface area of your mm. lung, it's one pass to your brain and uh, the lozenge has to go through, goes through your liver and your goes, through, blood. Yeah, goes through your yeah. blood and uh, it, it's something to do with all of the above so what's going to happen uh, john to to vaping in the current environment what do you think
4: um well if nothing changes with the the current regulatory framework from the fda all of the small to medium manufacturers are actually going to get um forced out of the industry come may 2020 because of the pre-market tobacco application uh, process and so they're they're treating us like big tobacco, and so all of us small manufacturers need big tobacco money in order to go through the process, which is just physically impossible.
1: Wow, I, I'm looking at a quote from a professor at UC San Francisco. It says people have been vaping for a long time and we haven't had a problem. It seems to be relatively safe, and that solvent that uh, and the solvent that dissolves them. The question now is, when you start messing with the process, what are you adding to it? So, in other words, the process the simple open process that you're talking about seems safe. Would that be accurate? Oh yes, yes. and then I think this article is about um vaping of CBDs. ds you have any opinion about that?
4: Um I don't have any opinion when it comes to the c b d the you know the the current lung issues that are happening um it it's clear that that's from black market t h c cartridges right. So, so, and that has nothing to do with our industry. Right.
1: So from from my perspective, Kat, do you know of any nicotine-related incidents that have been reported and have been clearly no. related to the – yeah, I don't either. So, so no. I would absolutely stop THC vaping just until we solve, figure out what's going on.
2: Just because it's not regulated?
1: Because the cases have all been with THC. Okay. Even though they were okay. black market THC, let's just let that work out before we... I mean, just to be responsible. I would throw CBD in the same category just because, again, they're mixing oils and things in terms of how they produce these products. Uh, and then nicotine does not seem to be an issue. Uh, now, it again, as I uh, before the you came on, John, I was saying the government has this great review out there that shows some inflammatory stuff and some DNA changes and things we have to really pay attention to but certainly nowhere near the damaging effects of cigarettes.
4: Yes. And and that's what what people really have to realize when it comes to the vaping industry is we are harm reduction. We are not harm elimination. So there's always going to be risk involved with putting anything into your lungs other than, you know, clean, fresh mountain air. Um, And so it does not come risk free. It is for smokers, to, uh you know to, to make the switch still be able to get satisfactory levels of nicotine and uh, just not have the tar which is what kills people
1: cat sound about right
3: I concur
1: would you like the reduced uh sort of methodology the you know the reducing yeah
3: i, I, I should I would have I had to get a dental procedure done a couple weeks ago, well, a couple months ago now, and I couldn't vape for 24 hours. Uh-oh. And I put, I strapped five nicotine patches onto my body, and I didn't feel a thing.
1: Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. So All I'm right. quite I,
3: addicted physically.
1: I, I'm going to say goodbye to John. John, thank you. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for being on that cruise.
4: Oh, thank you so much. All right, buddy. There we go.
1: There goes John. And then Kat, I'm going to let you go too. Tell us where we can find you.
3: Um, Greg Gutfeld Show tonight, Fox News, 10 p.m. Sincerely, Kat on Fox Nation, new episodes every Thursday. And then Tyrus and Tim's podcast, uh, new episodes on foxnewspodcast.com every Friday.
1: Thank you for joining us. I didn't know every had an A in it. Every. Every day.
2: Nice to meet you, Kat. Every.
3: You Bye, too.
1: Kat. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mike, any place you want to promote? Anything you want to promote before we go to break? No. Okay, we'll take a little break. That's I'm here cr- just to take calls, man. <laughs> it's, okay. t- it's Mike Ryan. I'm Dr. we we'll take a little break. Be right back. All right. Keep your head on. Keep going. Okay, we have people who want to we're gonna, Oh, we're staying alive? Okay, we're going to keep – we're going back to the lines now.
2: Uh, this is – I know I'm not supposed to say no when you ask me if I have anything to promote, but I know <laughs> no, that's it's bad fine. etiquette.
1: I, I'm not like Carol who freaks out when somebody says no. No no is a re- appropriate response. Uh, oh, my goodness. We have so many calls here. Uh, hang on. What does nicotine do to your body? Oh, my gosh. Christy, I want to talk to her. Look at this. I hope this is accurate. Christy, you there?
0: Yes. Hi, Dr. Drew. How are you? I don't know if you remember me. I'm doing wonderful. Fantastic! And I just want to tell you, you almost fourteen years ago, you saved my life. And October 25th, I will have fourteen years.
1: Oh my God! Congratulations! Because of
0: you deal. helping me,
1: What's you're me. Is that whole that whole great life. that whole great team we had, Christy? It wasn't just me, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I remember I came in there. And I was out for three days. I had had a stroke and I woke up and you and Bob Forrest were sitting in front of me. And you asked me why <laughs> you said, why do you want to be here? And I said, because I don't want to die. And I had seizure, seizure patches on me and yep. there was medications. And I had gone through eight different rehabs. Wow. And I said, Jeez. you know what? I don't want this. I just want to go to the groups. And I want help. And you called me on so many different things. And I just want to let you know because of you. My life is amazing. Yep. I have a seven-year-old little boy. And I listen to everything you say. And I still hear the
2: things you told me.
0: And I am so grateful. And I just want you to know that.
2: Thank you, Chrissy. I appreciate that. That's it, pretty it, groovy. It's very groovy. It's what fun. was your drug of choice? Crack cocaine. Wow. it's a big one. Yeah, it's a tough
0: and one. Then it, yeah, and then right before I decided to shoot up, and then Dr. Drew said to me, you know, I had OD'd, and then he said to me, I want to ask you an honest question. He said, so did you do it again? And I said, I did, three hours later. And he said, great, because if you told me you didn't, you'd be a liar. <laughs>
4: <Wow>. <laughs> he, right. he,
0: and he also, when I was about to leave, he told me, I'm worried, Christy, I'm worried you an avalanche is coming. And if you don't really protect yourself and follow through these things, it's not going to happen. And I remember I thought I'm going to prove him. I'm not going to fail. I'm going to follow through. And I always have done what he told me to do. What do you do now to and keep I your just,
2: sanity? I'm sorry, what? What do you do to stay, uh, stay uh, normal? Stay good.
0: Well, I have my spiritual foundation. I have my meetings. I have a very good support system. Um, I definitely have a thousand wonderful women in my life and I've got the tools and I still, to this day, when things are hard, I open up, I really do the 12 and 12 book. I'm a very spiritual person. You know, I, I, I just, I also always remember to never let secrets keep you sick. So if something's oh, yeah. going on with me, I, right? A a huge so one. I make sure to share it with, yep that I share it with people that love
2: me. And yeah, that honesty I thing know. is such a big one. It's And it's more about being honest with yourself than with other people. Uh, it's
1: just rigorous honesty because you start going down that slope and you're, you don't even realize where yeah. the truth is. It's just, just embarrassing,
2: though, when you're actually honest and you express your ego and your arrogance and your narcissism and stuff and it's really difficult because it is difficult you want people to think you're cool <laughs> yes you do
1: christy it's so nice to you to call thank you so much congratulations on everything you did all the work i'm just as some some of my patients that like to humble me just say i just sort of turned you in the right direction and you did all the work and i'm so glad you did oh my god yeah nice story uh okay we got lots of very oh my five. line five okay Claudia?
5: Hi, Drew. Thanks for taking my call.
1: You bet. What's going on?
5: So, Dr. Drew, I hope you receive what I'm saying because I have thousands of pain patients that are tuning in. Uh, Yes, I'm right here. Can you hear me?
6: I
4: do.
5: Hi, Drew. So, I'm calling on behalf of pain patients who can no longer access opioid therapy. The pendulum is swung. And we are in such a dire situation that we now have a suicide list. And if you're a doctor who's willing to prescribe opioids, you have a target on your back. And um, if you're a patient who's fourth
1: enough. It depends well, on, just, it, it depends please, on the hear state. Me, hang on, hear depends, me
5: and receive me with compassion. Hang
1: on, Claudia. It depends on the state. Because it depends on the state. Some some states are, are more, it's it's easier to give patients opiates than other states. Some states have gone really overboard.
5: No, that's not true because I actually had to get legislation imposed in Rhode Island. But the grave situation here is I'm advocating for people with cancer who can no longer access opioids because that's doctors crazy. are fearful to prescribe. That's crazy. And the, here's the here's the really—I think this is probably the cruelest form that's been brought to the pain community— These people have been forced to choose between benzodiazepines or pain medication because we do know the lion's share of overdoses had both. But in 2019, all overdoses had one thing in common, illicit fentanyl. And that's the culprit Um, that our government does not want to give attention to. But people with pain have been deleted from this country And I think it's wonderful. People with addiction have been afforded empathy and compassion and wonderful medications like suboxone. But in the interim, people with pain have been left homeless. Doctors have been sent to prison. The DEA, in conjunction with medical boards, are making billions off of this crisis. I
1: didn't ask to be
5: born with Crohn's disease.
1: All right. So, and listen so we. When you we, we disease, I, 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 this is ahead. not a place for testimonials. I appreciate what you're saying. This will, You could obviously say a lot more because it's a complicated topic. I appreciate it. Can't opioids are for cancer pain. That's what they're for. They are a terrible treatment for chronic pain. That's why doctors do not prescribe it. There is zero evidence. In fact, opioids make chronic pain worse. Now, if you have intermittent pain or you have cancer pain, you should receive opiates. And if you do not, find a doctor who will prescribe it. Most states have exemptions where you can do it. It's just a lot of work for the doctors, and doctors are scared now. And to be to your point, Claudia, the way we got into this mess was they put doctors in jail for not treating pain aggressively enough? That that was in the '90s. There was a lot of that, and fine doctors. And oh my god, the stuff we had to go through if we didn't prescribe pain medication, even people in withdrawal, it was the craziest mm-hmm. thing you what ever met. What is
2: cancer pain? Pain from cancer. But I'm, I'm sorry to be so naive about this, but what can you describe it? Is it a? It's horrible. Is it a? It's horrible. Well, your entire, entire body eat, pain. You know, well, it depends where the
1: cancer is. It is it sharp pain? Cancer's eating your body, right? I and mean, it's like. You know, from the inside, because I just
2: learned that pain was associated with cancer. I didn't realize that. I thought depends on the
1: cancer, but uh, most, you know, like a lot of them have bad. And
2: opioids were developed. The 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 sort of the
1: heavy opioids. Fentanyl was developed for that.
2: Yeah, and And then we just abused it because we realized it's fun.
1: No, then a group of doctors came out and decided that pain should never exist. Okay. Okay. And then the. Veterans Administration, the Joint Commission of Hospital Accreditation, and the various state medical societies adopted that philosophy that became a theology, and pain became the fifth vital sign as important as your pulse, and if we didn't treat it, we were fined or sent to jail. And then the drug companies, of course, love this and and pushed it. When further. you
2: say opioids make pain worse, opioids make chronic pain worse. They do you call mean the hyper- pain
1: receptors won't causes hyperalgesia? So the perce- part of the brain called the insula cortex starts perceiving the pain as much more intense. So it re- so the misery of pain goes through the. So roof. you need more drugs. So you need more, which only makes it worse. The, it does it, it it causes back pain and headache from chronic withdrawal. So everybody on opiates has back pain. And then you just escalate this process. Is that a real
2: pain or is that psychosomatic?
1: It's all real. All okay, pain but is real. the back pain and the headache I'm talking it's about. It's withdrawal pain. Okay. It's all real. But opioids clearly are not the treatment for chronic pain. Every scientific study done has shown that clearly. If you have cancer pain, if you have intermittent pain, and you're not getting opiates, that's just cruel. That's cruel. And and the fact that uh, state medical societies or state states are getting in the way of that is just
2: anathema. Can uh, marijuana alleviate cancer pain? Yeah, it can help it. Yeah, Just help and can't yeah. make it go uh,
1: away? Maybe for some people. It's not something we think of as good. Cancer pain is really rough. It's very difficult to treat, and it never really goes away. Uh, oh, this is interesting. Alex is a medical student. Uh, Alex, you're a medical student?
4: Yes, I am. I just started at uh,
1: University of South Florida. Congratulations. Your first year? Yeah, that's right. And you wanted to ask about this reality show I was working on?
4: Yeah, so um, you mentioned it before, and I haven't heard you talk about it in a long time, so yeah. I was wondering if that's it, actually in the works. I'd it, love to see uh, that funny. kind of show.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It, it was uh, Fox was interested in it and then dropped it, and then it sort of went nowhere. Somebody called me oh. yesterday. To sort of resurrect it, strangely enough, and it's sort of a reality version of House. And one of the things I'd complained about is that I don't think students are—I think they're—I don't think they're beat up enough. I think medical students—you have to be beat up a lot to make to make. So that's a change
2: from when you went to medical school, because from what I hear from you, it was twenty-four-seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And now they have set hours. Well, obviously,
2: he's watching TV. What do you mean? Oh, because he's here. Watch he's a first-year
1: student. He's a first-year student. First year, second year is a whole different story. And that's actually a lot of fun, Alex. Enjoy it while you still can. Uh, but, uh, I'm when, trying to. Yeah, when you hit the wards, that's it. Your life is not your own anymore, and it okay. stays that way for many years. Um, and I just don't think I, – I just think that, you, that it's a little too civil. And uh, I got beat up. I beat other people up. And it was the way we you know got people to – Really, you you don't. There's no room for any sort of um, contemplation. Well, I want to say we're like error. It's like you, you we're, we're going to hand these young people prescriptions pads and scalpels mm-hmm. at the end of the training, and there can be no possibility of somebody not measuring up. I mean, every everybody has. Do to Do you mean under
2: pressure, or do you mean just under in-
1: pressure in terms of prioritizing the patient in terms of 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 um,
2: uh, train, How does that rigorous schedule... Mind,
1: training their mind to think these things through. And to,
2: and How to does really, that being overwhelmed through medical school translate into goodness when you get into a private practice?
1: It's You, never, you can always prioritize the patient over everything else in your life. Okay. And that piece okay. particularly seems to be missed right now. Okay. And you can think through in a disciplined way... No matter how tired you are, no matter how angry okay. you are, no matter what the staff is telling you or doing to and that you, that is
2: something you can learn. You can train you, your you brain train to have that sort of. It. You can train it. Path. You
1: can train. I was not that way at first. I was trained into it, and so I know it's unnatural. It's unnatural. It's unnatural. So, Alex, that was my little philosophy on it. But you, you get in there in third year, you call back and tell me uh, how how it's going. <laughs> okay.
4: Yeah, will do.
2: Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for the call. You're not going to throw him the uh, you're not yeah, gonna make thank any you. money unless you go into plastic surgery. no, <laughs> no no. no, no.
1: no. I, want, I want the young physicians to be in, in medicine for medicine. Uh, this is also a really interesting call here. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, Mike, you can help with this. Uh, Paul, are you there?
4: I'm oh, here. Hi, Paul, what's going on?: Well, um, I, I really need some advice. My wife. Has a drinking problem. Um, she. I'm sorry.
2: Yep, yeah, here. That was the dog. Yeah, he wants in.
4: Okay. Uh, my wife has a drinking problem. She refuses to do anything about it. I feel like I'm ready to end this relationship, but we have a six-year-old daughter, so I'm not sure what the best course of action is.
2: Yeah, it's very very challenging, Mike. You want to? I got to say, I've seen this many times with friends, and there is no way to uh, deal with it except for ending the relationship, as far as I've seen, because for her to quit drinking, she's got to want to quit drinking. If she doesn't want to quit drinking, there's nothing you can really do about it. Right,
1: and and cumulative loss is typically what gets people to change. Yeah, but I also
2: think it's really important that you maintain the relationship with her since you have the tie and the daughter, because eventually she might, maybe five years, maybe ten years, and you don't want to disrupt the kid. Right. If you're so, just cutting so them out of your you, life. You
1: might want to be married in, in sort of name only and just be there for the child. That's a possibility. But here's something you have to do. You if get you're her gonna make maintain- account. No. <laughs> yeah, for her. But if you're if you're gonna maintain this relationship, you've got to go to a program called Al Anon. You have to go, you have to get a sponsor, okay. you have to do it. And and you're there, being there might motivate her to get sober. It might. Sometimes it does. But it will change how you dance with her condition. You get it,
4: okay? Yeah, yeah I've already. Yeah, I. Uh, I've tried to take a step back. I was still picking up alcohol for it at the store. I don't do that anymore. No, no, no. But um, but you need
1: to go to al to, to have some support. Like, the, you ever seen the Little Shop of Horrors? You ever yeah, seen? yeah. So the plant, the Audrey 2, that's a perfect model for alcoholism mm-hmm. addiction. If you go in, you go near the plant, you're in the plant, right? Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. It's an interpersonal yeah. disease. It plays on everything. It plays on all the strengths of the individual that has it. It plays on the relationship that that are around it. And so you go in the plant unless you have somebody pulling you out and that's what Alan is. So you have to have that. If you're gonna okay. be around, if you're gonna be around her, or you could just leave. I mean, you can just do that. But it uh, seems sad. I hate hate to think for your, your daughter. And, it's terribly
2: sad, and yeah. it's there, what, there's
4: that's, nothing. That's my that's my biggest concern is my daughter's stability. Sure,
1: and and her and your wife, she might get sober one day too, you know. And uh, so it's really you know how are you going to manage this? And you can also get a therapist that could be helpful too. It's it's about taking care of yourself at this point, not not focusing on her because she's going to do what she does. Is that, make, is that
2: about right? Absolutely. I'm yeah. sorry to say it like that. But yeah, uh you yeah. can't especially if he starts to build resentment and starts to be mean to her because she's drinking. That's just gonna make it worse.
1: Oh my goodness, we have so many great questions here. I'm I'm sorry. Okay. How many lines do you guys have? I mean, Holy we, moly. I know, it's uh really extraordinary. We and by the way, we appreciate you guys calling in. It's just really uh, overwhelming. And uh uh Okay. Uh hold on a second. This is Okay, Tamara, I'm not gonna take your call because I don't want to get into big arguments again, but I will say she says that opioid-induced hyperalgesia is very limited, addiction rates are low. That is false. That, that is it is clearly the case. Clearly the case. In fact, in pain medicine, they still won't even call addiction addiction. They they will say, well, 30% of our patients have difficulty managing their opiates, but they're not drug addicts. It's like, listen, these the the research out there is exquisitely clear. What there is, though, there's a, there's a group that gets dependency to opiates without being a drug addict. Can you imagine this? Where We've been overusing opiates so much that we make people look like drug addicts when we take them off the opiates. I don't understand that at all. When they come off the opiates, they're not interested in them anymore. Well, a drug addict can't stop, keeps keeps going back, keeps going back for whatever reason, keeps going back. While a non, sorry, that's
2: hilarious. What? what?
1: <laughs> that's just funny. That what? That they have to keep going back?
2: Well, you can, you know, all these people that are addicts and how difficult it is, and then you think there's another group of people that are doing it, and then they just stop, and that's the end of it. And you're like, what the hell is we that? We didn't
1: used to see that ever. That's but unbelievable. The, but since the opioid crisis, now we see that. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. So, so people have to be given a chance to get off the drugs before they need full
2: treatment. Even. Yeah, we don't even know if they fall into that category. Yeah,
1: well, I think it's pretty easy. You have family history of alcoholism okay. if you ever addicted anything. Which, by the way, two questions that pain management never ask their patients ever drives me out of my mind. So, no. The
2: the, the can what, can whatever you do, study you've seen. I know it, you've talked about this ad nauseum, but yeah. family history will say a lot. I just want to confirm a that. ton, a okay. ton. Uh, uh, this
1: I've never. So you think an, it's
2: it's biological in genetic. part. It's sixty percent. Sixty percent of
1: sixty percent of addiction is accounted for on the basis of genetics alone. That's okay. how we say it. Uh, like everything in human behavior, it's genes and environment. Uh,
2: how do you think that played out a thousand years ago? What do you mean? In That lineage, like what? Where did it they, come from? When when they didn't have opiates and when they didn't have where the genes come from? No, but it, was it just alcohol?
1: No. How about before alcohol?
2: Yeah. So, what did it? Just violence? <laughs> yes. Anger? <laughs> v- violence.
1: So, so do you know what the addict, you know, what the genes for alcoholism is? No. It, it's a survivor gene in extreme adversity. So, think about alcoholics and addicts. I, I used to do this. Wait, to, that
2: is—I've never heard that. Well, That's let me incredible. Explain this to you. So, so a survivor gene it's, in
1: are supe- extreme adversity. Okay, so here's the deal. So, I, I used to do this experiment every week with my group of alcoholic addicts, and it never failed. So,
2: um, why would you keep doing it then? To point it out to them. Oh. To point it. So, what kind of doctor are you? So, What are we doing again? So you Same have experiment. this gene that's
1: so destructive when people are exposed to these chemicals. Why has it stayed in the genome? right? Why is it stuck around? Okay. Why it didn't get washed out? Well, first of all, let's look where in the globe it exists. You, to look at what is going on genetically, you want to look at isolated populations and see where you see the gene. Well, where, so you see it in Scotland, North American Indians, certain part of Eastern Europe. These concentrated populations, what do they all have in common? Well, what we know from you know stereotypically, what what they all had in common was multiple generations of military assaults, genocidal military assaults. Scotland being the wow, best example. Wow! Holy moly! And so, if you look at, at people with this gene now, they make great fighter pilots, great shortstops, great extreme athletes. Think about you, which is why
2: ext- so many people in Alcoholics Anonymous were have violent upbringings.
1: Uh, That part I'm not ready to to say yet, except to say that you'll find them doing extreme things even still in their sobriety. They'll like rock climbing and they are like hang gliding and all this stuff. They're at their best in extreme situations, such as if a bunch of Huns ran over the hill here. Well, I, the codependent, would run the other way, and evidently that would mean a spear in the back, while you guys with the gene would have your wits about you and be able to fight and be a little more likely to survive. And you know where that was portrayed accurately? Was in Braveheart. Absolutely accurately. 10,000 people go into battle, only the alcoholics survive. Isn't that interesting. Not, and I'm not saying using alcohol That's funny you would I'm say saying that saying because that's been
2: portrayed in so many films. There's the vicious guy that TCB Lightning that, you know, Takes care of business. Yeah. <laughs> and he's always the guy chugging the grog at later, the end of the night. And later, he's always yeah. drunk.
1: Yeah. yeah. Later. when he, Not not during the, yeah. the whole thing, but later you see him start to relate to the alcohol. Isn't that something? Yeah. And so, it, if you. Now think how come it, he said Scotland, not Ireland? Oh, you could do Ireland too. Okay. Because Scotland is really. That's sort of, Part the, of, sort of, of the same yeah. stuff. Um, but. Think of your peers. They're all bright. They're all smart. They're interesting people. They're extreme. Yeah, by and large. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a rich genetic population, which is why I started thinking about it back when they first started looking at some of the genes. Some of my peers started going, well, people are advocating maybe doing abortions on babies that have this gene. I thought, whoa, that's genetic yeah. engineering. And I'm Trying
2: to bring the music business to a halt, buddy. <laughs>
1: and you're you taking me? my patients away from the human genome. That's yeah. a major loss. So anyway, so there we go. That's uh that's my little story about that.
2: I have never heard that. That's fat that was. I can't that believe was we've been friends all
1: this time, and I've never told you my little theory about that. Uh this is uh Drew in Texas. Drew, what's going on? Hey Dr. Drew. Hey, man, How's your happening? day going? It's going pretty good. We're just doing this, good, this good. Hey. live show.
4: Hey, hey. Ah. I had a, I had a question for y'all. Um, I heard you mention this on Dr. Drew after dark last week. Yeah. So, um, I'm 32 years old and I was recently treated for genital warts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering if somebody like me would benefit from the HPV
1: vaccine. Uh, are you single? I'm sorry. Are you single? Yes, sir. Yeah, I would do it. Dude. Yes. They've extended it all the way into the forties. I think like 46 and, um, yeah, I mean, because just because you have one strain of the virus uh, doesn't mean you couldn't get exposed to some of the other ones that could be associated with the cancers. And as you know, head neck cancers on the rise, anal cancers on the rise, penile cancers on the rise, and it's all HPV related. All head neck stuff bad. Correct. Should I okay. get that shot? I would. You're, you're maybe a little how old you? Okay, don't tell me. Thirty-two. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 53. Yeah. Get 30. it, Drew.
1: No, for sure. <laughs> I I you might find doctors that would give it to you outside of that forty six um, that forty six uh, window forty six year old window. But how would I benefit from that? Uh, you won't get HPV. Uh, I'm looking at some uh, uh, producer Susan. I've got a bunch of calls in queue. Are those calls I can go to? Why, why are they in a separate? uh well, did they have a. I'm doing it. Hold on. My goodness, we have such intense... Okay, this one is... All right, Mike, why don't you help me with this? Uh, Michelle, what's up?
6: Hi, Dr. Drew. Hi, Michelle. Okay, I'm going to try not to cry. Okay. Um, I was in therapy with my 16-year-old daughter yesterday. Mm-hmm. We were, had been in therapy for a while. She has been suffering with from anxiety, depression. We just had her recently tested. She um, was tested... Um, highly gifted ADD anxiety depression yesterday she picked um, national coming out day I guess to tell us that she is trans she's 16 her regular therapist immediately gave us a list of other therapists that we could reach out to for transition therapy this is all brand new to me I don't even know if I'm using the right language Mm -hmm. Um, so it just seems, I talked to a girlfriend who's a pediatrician and she said, um, that she didn't feel like there was any reason to go to a trans, a transition therapist this soon because she, my daughter's already developed. They wouldn't right. be like stopping her breast from right. growing or that's anything kind, like that. That's
1: kind of what I was just thinking. I was like, what's, what's wrong with the therapist she's seeing? I think the therapist did that just to, be complete and to offer your, her, your daughter that kind of uh, opportunity if that's what she wanted to do. But I think it's better if she stays with a therapist she's connected to for a while and then see what they want to do. This whole issue of pre-pubertal
2: treatment of transition, you know, non-binary kids, uh, trans kids, it's extremely controversial, extremely. Well, my first thought, and I'm not a parent, is that I made some bad decisions when I was 16, and I think it, the longer you can wait and the more time you give it, it, you it, might it, change it, your it, mind, or you might know for sure. Right.
1: You need, her, you need to give her a chance to work with like the Like, you therapist. don't go get a
2: big chest tattoo when you're 15, because when you're 25, you might be like, that eh, wasn't. Or you might then go, finally, I'm going to get that chest tattoo when you're 25. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and that's all good. That's no, no. Neither way, we're not saying either way is the way she should go. We're saying that there's no hurry at this point. There is hurry when they're younger. Because the kids, are, the, okay. the kids are a lot better if they're treated pre-puberty. But you, when you know for sure. When you know for sure. Okay, but yeah. that's really, really hard yeah. and really, really controversial. I've known some male-to-female trans children, or adult now, who
2: really benefited from yeah, I pre-puberty. Wonder, I just there, don't know who, how do you select those kids. Is there an advantage to this, where you live as a boy or a girl for 14, 15 years, and then you transition... Do you get to see both sides? Do you have more of an open mind? Do you have more experience? Well, or? I,
1: we're going to keep taking phone calls after we wrap uh, this life, and uh, let us know if you're a trans individual. That be yeah. it's a really interesting question. But, um, and Michelle, you should have some place you can go to because, you know, parents get very stressed out about this stuff. They don't want to do, you know, they want to do what's right for their child, and this is sort of new territory for, frankly, everybody, and especially you.
2: Yeah. Well, it's new for me, too, because you know my friend, you you. You met her at the party. Mm-hmm. You met her before. I did, and uh, that was a tough one. It was like, "What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you going to do what?" <laughs> yeah, and she seemed great. And then she did. It. Yeah, yeah. I I can't speak for them for p- other people's right.
1: And, and but if you're a parent, you you want children to make the optimal choices, yeah. and you want to. But do you well. as a
2: doctor can legitimize that this is a real thing, right? Yeah. yeah like you thing. know how old timey rednecky well, people are kind of like this. Well,
1: here's the. It's clearly a something it's it's always been something and it's clearly something that is manifesting more commonly now the question is and this is kind of a weird philosophical question we only have a i'm, gonna, I'm not going to drop this question at the end except to say that it's hard to know who we should select for all kinds of treatment that's okay. the bottom line we don't really know enough i don't think i think to really people
2: will take issue with the we select comment because it seems we as clinicians
1: that we as clinicians. Do you approve? No, 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 no. How do we tr- how do we select a person for a surgery? How do we select a okay. person for pu- pubertal treatment? How do we select a person for tr- trans therapy like Michelle's daughter? How do we select a person for just individual psychotherapy like her daughter? It, we we just it it's a, an evolving clinical science still, and it is something new, and it is something that clearly is an improvement. Um, You know, in terms of allowing people to be who they really want to be. Yeah, and imagine
2: the kind of uh, turmoil you would be in if you were 60 and you felt like you were the wrong gender. Right.
1: So, Michelle, thank you for calling. I hope that helps a little bit, does it?
6: Thank you. I think, yeah, I'm just going to help her walk the walk right now, but we're not going to. But stay with that therapist.
1: Stay with that therapist for a little time. Just to give it time with somebody she's connected with and really have her sort it out with that individual that knows her before you go for any kind of specialized care. Again, no hurry. I agree with your pedi-
2: pediatrician. But friend. what's going on okay. in her head, okay. how is she dealing with this? Because that's traumatic to I have know. that laid on you in a, in a therapy session. I, I know.
1: And I just said she needs to have her own therapist yeah. too.
2: So. But we got
1: to wrap this thing up. Uh, we are going to continue with calls. Uh, but this wraps up this live, Mike. Thank you for joining us. It was fun. This.
2: Thank you for having me. It was really good. I and hope I uh, contributed somehow. but uh,
1: you, you did. You really did, actually. All right. Thank you for being here, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, Dr. Drew here, and this is just a reminder that the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care or medical evaluation. This is purely for entertainment and education. We hope you learn something, but see your doctor, get proper medical care.